0: Brick Moon Fiction presents Old Debts by Kelsey N. Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. Revenge never did anyone any good. An eye for an eye sounds good, but falls apart once you actually do it. It doesn't even make you feel better, much as you might fool yourself thinking it does. But sometimes, you gotta kill a bitch for what she's done. Tina hustled through the back alleys of the industrial market, It was difficult to move with the press of people, sweaty and focused on their purchases. Most of the time the market was clear of people, although the crowded stalls and stacks of goods made the tight passage even narrower. The smell of summer sweat, grease, and steel hung in the air like a cloud. She looked behind her nervously, watching for pursuit. It was hard to tell in the Monday morning crowd, but she knew they were there. It wasn't a question. They were definitely coming. A small hand squeezed hers as the little girl she was leading stumbled a little. She didn't make a sound, focused on the way ahead. She was no more than ten years old, and dressed in jeans and an orange shirt with a soda logo on it. The girl looked like any typical child her age, save for the professional-looking shoulder holster she wore and the comfort with which she wore it. The contents were another story, told by the bright blue plastic handle of the weapon within. Unlike the girl, Tina was unarmed. Skinny jeans and a close-fitting t-shirt with a belt pack was all she carried. They made a conspicuous pair as they pushed their way through the crowd. Tina wasn't gentle in her passing. At times she pushed people out of the way, sometimes bringing a response of Jajayunga or worse from one of the locals at the rough treatment. She didn't pay any mind, focused on hurrying her charge forward and keeping an eye out behind them. As they slipped past a metal spinner's stall, she spotted what she wanted to avoid. Faces she'd seen before, pushing through the crowd in much the same way she was, although even less gentle about it. Her hand tightened around the child's, who looked up and nodded. Both of them picked up the pace, forcing them to fight their way against the current of people. The change didn't go unnoticed, and without bothering to look, she could hear people complain as their pursuers began to move faster as well. Tina cast an eye around the surroundings and seemed to come to a decision with herself. Reaching to one side, She grabbed a display of stacked steel rods and pulled it down, to the dismay of everyone around. Outraged people shouted at her, but her only response was to keep her head down and move faster, pulling anything she could grab. Piles of tires, bundles of wire, anything that would tip and confound the hunters. As she reached for the support on a sheet metal awning, causing it to collapse into the crowded alley, she heard the sound she was dreading. A shot rang out, followed by another. They had enough of games and were willing to be reckless. Chaos erupted all along the alley. Screams and shouts of Muang Mi assaulted her ears but she paid no attention. She was too busy running and staying out of the line of fire. They had to move and move fast. The panic set off by the first shots helped obscure them but at the same time allowed their escape. The little girl glanced up at a sturdier metal awning and back at Tina who shook her head. It would be a faster route but it would also invite a bullet in the back. Behind them, the sounds of pursuit came closer. Tina stole a glance over her shoulder to see a large man surging ahead, shoving bystanders out of his way and leaping over obstacles. She tried to run faster, but ran into a bottleneck where a small truck took up half the already limited space. She whirled as the man caught up, his fellows still struggling to catch up. Wasting no time, he swung his weapon to bear on Tina. This is as far as you get, bitch. She didn't reply while he towered over them, panting. The only sign she gave of any danger was releasing her grip on the little girl's hand, letting her arm hang loose by her side. What, no smart-ass comeback? The man asked in a mocking voice. All these stories about Ten-Ton Tina, but here she is, running away and scared to even say a word back. What a joke. Tina's eyes darted around, ignoring the weapon he waved in emphasis and looking past him instead the man laughed. "'Hey, I've got an idea. How about I shoot the kid first? What do you think about that?' He swung his weapon to the side, aiming at the child, but if he expected fear and pleading, he would be disappointed. Instead, she stared into his eyes, with the steady gaze of someone more in control than he was. For a moment he was shaken, before catching himself and steadying the gun again. That moment would be a fatal mistake.' Tina dropped low, ducking under his free side and launching herself past the gunman. She grabbed a heavy chain looped over a hook nearby, swinging one end around to connect with the side of his head. He staggered, but was tough enough to stay upright. Shaking his head, he fought to focus on Tina, who was still in motion. She abandoned the chain, instead grabbing a long spike from a nearby table. Whirling, she put all her weight and momentum into driving it all the way through the man's wrist, causing him to cry out and drop his weapon. He screamed in pain, grabbing at his assailant. But Tina was already behind him, back to back, with a second spike in hand. She rolled left, this time aiming high, and drove the spike into the man's neck. She pulled it back and stabbed twice more, until the gunman collapsed at her feet. There was no time to recover. The other hunters were now upon them, and she struggled to get clear of them. A space opened up in the crowd, and she rushed for it, now grasping the child's hand again. She fought to get to a side street ahead, promising a slim chance they might be able to make a break for it. It was a vain hope. As she turned the corner, she was faced with more armed attackers, these ones wise enough to keep their distance. Tina slowed to a stop, although her eyes never stopped searching for a possible way out. Panting, the first group finally caught up to them. They, too, stood back with guns ready. One stepped forward, clearly a leader of sorts. End of the line, he said, glaring at her. I should make you pay for what you did back there, but we got orders, so we'll wrap this up fast. He glanced at the others. All right, open. The sentence would never finish. A sharp report pierced the air, but not from any of their weapons. Before anyone, even Tina, could react. A spray of red shot out from the back of the leader's head, and he fell with a solid thud to the street. More shots rang out, and with every one, an attacker fell. The hunters waved their weapons, all but forgetting about Tina in the commotion. What are you waiting for? called a man's voice, echoing from the high buildings all around. I'll clear you a path. Run! He didn't need to say it twice. As shots rang out and pursuers fired back in random directions, woman and girl chose a direction and took to their heels. By the time they arrived at the safe house, they were out of breath. Tina ended up carrying the child for the last few blocks, apparently not minding the weight a bit. For her part, the child remained quiet, although more relaxed in her arms. Their male companion, who joined them along the way, raised an eyebrow, but made no comment. Finally finding a moment's respite, the adults collapsed in the entryway, panting. The little girl, for her part, chose to move further in, exploring the suite. Her posture and expression both relaxed as she did so, allowing her to look more like a child than she had during their flight. Tina rose from the floor, making certain the girl was always in her line of sight, but otherwise allowed her to explore. The man watched the two of them, and once he caught his breath, followed as well. "'Cute kid,' he said, coming up beside Tina. "'Whose?' She didn't look at him. "'Remember Dallas, the Afghan arms dealer we used to work with back when the Howlers were still together?' Oh, yeah, he said. I remember. Not always on our side, but she seemed okay. So that's hers? Ours. You and Dallas, he said, trailing off. Huh. For a while, he said nothing more. Tina was content to watch as the child finally finished her tour and settled in on a sofa in the living room, falling asleep in mere minutes. For once, she found a smile. Her name's Jenny. She took a seat of her own, motioning for him to sit as well. So where's she at, he asked. Her other mom, that is. Tina shook her head. Gone. They took her out, but she bought us time. Shit, he said. That's gotta be hard on a kid. You too, I guess. She's a lot like me that way. Business first. Then we can grieve. She'll have it rough when this is all over, but right now she's too busy staying alive. Both of us are. A pause hung heavy in the air. Tina's gaze remained on her daughter. It wasn't an accident, you waiting right there. He chuckled. What, you don't think I sit there with a rifle waiting for something to happen? I had info you were heading to Seoul, and you've used that same market to lose a tail before. Info? she asked, turning to him. So it's not only us, then. What's going on, Rock? Who's after me? Someone with a grudge. They knocked off Sky High Lou two weeks ago. Went after me, too, but I managed to get out. Been digging ever since, trying to find out who's behind it. Tina leaned forward. You know, right? He nodded. Viper Val. You remember she used to pal around with a bunch of different warlords. This time she's running the show and she's got a grudge against the whole team. That bitch. She's always been a slippery one. Always setting up someone else to take the fall, then manipulating someone new. Hell, she even tried that with me a couple of times. But I wouldn't give her the chance. Not my type. I don't think she'll take no for an answer this time, said Rock, standing up. Come on. Kid's safe for now, so let's pick out some grown-up toys. He led the way to the interior of the suite, to a reinforced door with a lock on it. Opening up, he revealed just what Tina expected. Shelves and racks loaded with weapons and ammo, everything from boot knives to mortars. As Rock said, a toy store for their kind of people. Been in contact with Launa and Dominic, and they've gone to ground, said Rock, hefting a rifle and checking its sights. Won't be so easy for Val to get those two once they're forewarned. As to the other two, I lost contact with them a while back. Hopefully they're okay. I heard Boomer and Azizi started themselves an underground consulting company a while back, Tina said, running her fingertips over some of the larger weapons. She didn't pick any of them up. But since I retired, I haven't talked to any of the old gang directly. They might already be gone, especially if Val's planned out the angles. Huh. Launa was friends with Azizi back when we were all fighting together. Once we get together with her and Dom, we'll know better. She glanced over at him. You want to team up again? It's the only sane option, he said. Besides, it's the right thing to do. She hit us, we hit back. That's justice. And you gotta pay her back for your woman, too, right? Tina seemed distracted for a moment. Hmm, she said, turning to strap on a holster and collect pistol ammo. Rock looked surprised. That's all you're taking? We got shotguns, heavy machine guns, all your favorites. This ain't me anymore, Rock. I... Whatever Tina was going to say was lost in noise as the building shook on its foundations. Both of them were thrown to the side as the explosion hit. What the hell? exclaimed Rock. Tina was already moving, moving like lightning to where her daughter lay on the floor, tears in her eyes. Mama! cried Jenny. Rushing toward her, but staying as low to the ground as possible. Rock rushed to peer out a window. He ducked back just as fast. Those maniacs, they've got a rocket launcher out there. Get back, they're going to take another shot. He dived for cover, and not a moment too soon, behind him was a flash and a wall of sound as a shockwave rolled through the suite. Tina rose from the far side of the sofa, bringing a shaken but ready-to-act Jenny with her. Rock marveled at the girl's resilience. We've still got a clear path to the armory, he said over the ringing in his ears. What say you take out the big gun in one shot, just like the old days? The girls were moving instead to the back of the suite. Now's not the time, she said. We've got to get out of here before they figure out what floor we're on. They've almost got our range already. Rock hesitated for a moment, but recovered quickly. The old you would have taken the shot, but yeah, I get it. There's an emergency exit under the dishwasher. Let me help you pull it out there's a ladder down to the sewer that way. The three of them scrambled down the hole that opened up to the sound of repeated blasts that knocked out the front wall. Fleeing was the right move, as the enemy brought in a second launcher to take them down fast. As they started down the wet passage under the remains of the house, Rock pulled out his phone and started tapping at it. Setting the timer? asked Tina. Rock grinned, barely visible in the gloom, lit only by sparse emergency lights. Boomer special, He put enough explosives in the walls, it'll take out half the block, or at least the half those lunatics haven't already brought down. Any luck, it'll take them out as well, or at least they'll be in no shape to follow us. It was a mad scramble after that, crawling down an increasingly complicated series of pipes, opening out into larger passages. When the blast came, they were far enough out of range that they weren't caught in it, but they huddled against the tunnel wall anyway. The bass rumble that ran through the ground shook debris loose from above them. Finding a manhole, they rose to find the way clear. That lunatic Val's not going to get away with this, said Rock. You're with me, right? Tina nodded. I wish it didn't come to this, but she's declared war. No way she's backing down from this. Got that right. That's settled. We get out of town, rendezvous with Launa and Dom, and take the fight to her. She's going to learn she doesn't mess with the howlers and get away with it. Launa and Dominic led the way, hacking their way through the jungle undergrowth. At the rear, Rock kept an eye out for trouble, rifle in hand. Between them, Tina ushered her daughter along, who seemed more comfortable now than she was back in Korea. Wasn't expecting to be back here again, said Launa, swinging her machete with gusto. It's been, what, 15 years already? At her side, Dom mirrored her actions. They were always a good team, and it was a surprise that they never ended up any more than that. But they seemed content with their friendly arrangement, so there was little arguing with it. He let out a laugh. That was Domingo, wasn't it? he asked. The usual warlord shtick. All that drug money went to his head, and he set up his own little empire down here in the jungle. Pissed off the wrong people, and we get called in to fix it. Same old story. Makes you wish they'd be original for once, like in the movies. Maybe steal some scientist to make a death ray or something. Tina joined in the laughter, feeling more in her element among old companions. Jenny looked up at her, eyes intent, but she said nothing. Last thing I want is some space laser or super soldier coming after me. The missions we got were bad enough, and I'm happy enough to put them behind me. Still, said Launa, who'd have thought you would be the first one to settle down? And with that Dallas woman, no less. I don't think anyone saw that coming. She tried to scuff her foot at that, but the footing made it difficult, so she gave up on it. Dallas was... She helped me more than you can imagine. I don't know what would have happened if she didn't convince me to give up fighting with you guys. No offense. Was it really that bad? It always seemed like you were having fun blowing mooks away by the dozen. I mean, that's why they called you 10-ton Tina, because you hit as hard as a Mack truck and never let up. I won't deny it was fun, Tina said, glancing at Jenny, who was watching her with somewhat wide eyes. She was hearing this sort of talk about her past for the first time, so it was hardly a surprise that the little girl was fascinated. That was the problem. It was too much fun. Too much fun? Echoed Dom. She hesitated. When she answered, her voice wasn't so exuberant. I got addicted to the rush. The joy of blowing through other people and the risks I was taking, it made me reckless, and it made me cruel. You remember the good times, but think about what I was like on those last few missions. Those were bad days for me. I found myself getting more brutal, more sadistic. A part of myself knew what I was doing, choosing the most violent option every time, but I couldn't bring myself to break out of it. They walked on in silence for a while before she continued. Dallas saw what I was going through. She was having second thoughts about her own business, too, the things she was indirectly doing to people. She might not have been out there killing the way I did, but she had blood on her hands, too. Maybe even more. That's heavy, said Launa. Is that why you kept vanishing on our downtime that last year or so? Yep. Dallas started calling me out, and as we spent more time together, she kind of made me her personal project. Thinking about it later on, I think she was rehabilitating both of us. Well, and dating, too, of course. She gave me something new to enjoy. Nothing wrong with that, said Dom with a grin. Retiring was her idea, and that's about the time we started dating. A couple years later, she reached down and tousled Jenny's hair. We brought this little one into our lives. There was no going back after that. "'Ugh, you make me jealous,' cried Launa, bringing a genuine laugh to the whole crew. "'I've just been doing the same old crap and palling around with Dom here, and he ain't relationship material.' Taking another swipe with his machete, her friend managed to give her a hip bump at the same time. "'Not relationship with you material, you mean. I do pretty well for myself.' She laughed. "'Yeah, I guess. But it's nice to hear you did good, Tina.' "'Boomer and Azizi had a good thing going, too, "'with their security business. "'Damn shame Val got to them like that. "'But we'll pay her back. ten times over. "'An eye for an eye-plus interest.' "'Tina didn't answer, "'but busied herself with making sure "'Jenny was all right instead. "'She turned the conversation to small talk, "'catching up on all the little things "'about each other's lives that they missed. "'Movies they watched, food they tried. "'It didn't matter. "'Just something to fill up the space.' Finally, Rock, who'd been quiet all along, spoke up. This place remind you of anything? Other than going after Domingo? Because it's the same damn place. He shook his head. No, not that. Back about 23 or 24 years ago now, north of here in Venezuela, we were going after that bandit troop who was terrorizing a bunch of villages. Government had bigger priorities, so we got called in to take them on. Yeah, I remember that, Dom said, glancing back. Nasty bit of business, that one was. Bunch of downright sadists power-tripping on those poor people. I don't think any of us had any doubts about wiping those bastards off the face of the earth. Tina, there's one time that brutality you mentioned was 100% justified. Launa shuddered beside him. I try to forget what they were doing with the captives they had. What they got was too good for them, I'll tell you that. Taking them out was the right thing, Rock said. I'll agree with you there. But what about after that? "'What do you mean?' asked Launa. "'We took care of the problem we were sent to take care of. "'Then we left, like always. "'Yeah, that's my point. "'Was that the right thing to do? "'Go in, kill some grunts, then take off like we solved something?' Dom snorted. "'What do you want us to do? "'We're fighters, not fixers. "'We can't make anyone's lives better. "'Our job is to stop the bad guys from making things worse. "'All I'm saying,' said Rock, "'is that we're not blameless in what happens afterwards.' Sure, we take care of the threat. We're good at that. But if all we do is leave chaos and an opportunity for an even worse threat to move in, aren't we responsible for that? No, we're obviously— Shit! Bullets buried themselves in nearby trees as the air filled with the sound of gunfire. The group scattered, Launa and Dom taking cover and pulling out their weapons to return fire, and Rock pulling back to find a good vantage point with his rifle. Tina dodged right pulling Jenny with her to safety behind a stand of trees. She kept moving, staying low and hoping to flank the enemy, or at least prevent them from doing the same. As the sound of shots came toward them, Lana popped up and sprayed the area ahead of her with machine gun fire. She didn't bother to aim, but swearing and some shouts of pain indicated she got lucky. Dominic was more careful, doing his best to identify where the sounds came from and focusing his own fire on those spots. It was hard to tell how successful he was, but between them they kept the enemy's attention on them rather than Tina and Rock. Tina drove forward, skirting the area and taking pot shots when she saw something move. From this distance, she wouldn't be able to kill any of them without a lucky shot, but it split their attention, and if she could wing a couple, that would reduce the chances of a full-on assault. She looked over to where Launa and Dom crouched in time to see her stand up, fire a few shots, then suddenly stiffen as a shot rang out through the jungle. Unexpectedly, the spray of blood that erupted from her chest flew toward the enemy. Tina and Dom turned back as one to find Rock standing in the open, ejecting a cartridge and leveling his weapon again. Too shocked to fire back, Dom only had time to say, You best! before he, too, fell. Tina started running, looking for cover, but a bullet in front of her made her freeze. Looking back to him, She saw Rock steadily aiming, this time directly at her. No warning shot next time, he said. Don't try anything. He reached with one hand into his pocket, pulling out a radio. Tina remained. She knew the man well enough that even distracted, his aim would still be deadly. I've got her. Call off the goons. Yeah, they're dead. It's the three of us left. I'll bring her and the kid up to the house. He slipped the radio back where it came from, and before long the shouts and gunfire stopped. Several men stepped forward to take custody of both her and Jenny, although they were smart enough to be wary of her. Take them up to the house. The viper wants them intact, so don't get any ideas. As they started walking, the little girl glanced up at her mother, who nodded. Taking this as a sign, the child seemed to stumble, but then with surprising agility rolled back slipping her toy gun out of its holster as she did so. As the two men assigned to her recovered from the surprise and reached for her, she fired one shot each, lodging a dart in each of their necks, then dodged to one side and broke for the trees. The two men began to give chase, but only managed three or four steps before stiffening and falling to the earth, paralyzed. In moments, Jenny was gone. Rock shook his rifle barrel at Tina. What the hell was that? he demanded. Tina smirked. Whose daughter do you think she is? You won't take her that easy. Rock appeared to wrestle with himself, his eyes flitting between Tina and the woods. Have it your way. Little girl like that won't get away for long, not around here. We'll pick her up later. Now move. The group of them started up toward the villa. As Rock led her through the villa, Tina was surprised to see a little sign of opulence inside. Normally the homes of the powerful in this region were loaded with artwork and valuables as a show of strength and the difference between them and the commoners they lorded over. But this place was largely bare, with simple furniture brought in from some local village. Even the signs left behind by the last hostile takeover were still intact. Unrepaired bullet holes, broken doors once kicked off their hinges and now propped back in place, and the occasional disturbing stains on walls and floors. It wasn't what Tina expected from Viper Val, one-time femme fatale. When they arrived in her inner sanctum, it was clear she was waiting to make an impression. Showy pieces of art and furniture lay about, the mostly intact remains of the previous owner's possessions. The woman herself matched her surroundings, once beautiful and glamorous, but now damaged. Once noted as a master manipulator, known for seducing a long string of dangerous men and women. Now she looked hardened and wore a dramatic scar that crossed her face. Her sleeveless blouse revealed beginning of other old wounds, leaving one to wonder how bad things were for her over the years. Ten-ton Tina, at last. I hardly recognize you, she said, her voice as honeyed as ever. Not like the old days. You were a terror and a half, but it looks like you've been domesticated since then. Thank you for bringing her, Rock. You can stand back now. She's no real threat here. Flanking her were two soldiers, more capable-looking than the disposable minions outside. These would take more than an impromptu weapon to take care of, and Rock's rifle was still ready behind her. However you looked at it, Val was right. This was a fight she wouldn't win. What about the kid? Rock asked. She's managed to give your men the slip. Nobody knows where she is. Val waved her hand. She's no threat. Forget about that. We can tie up loose ends later. She stepped forward, still graceful in her movements at least, and stopped before her captive. I imagine you're wondering why I've gone to all this trouble for you, she said. Receiving only silence in reply, she continued. First of all, you're not that important. I went to this trouble for all of you because of what you've done and because of what you allowed to happen. She took a step back, giving her captive a good look you like my new look? It's at least partially your doing. You and your friends. It was after one of the last missions you went on. I was involved in that one, if you recall. Working with a man who was trying to unite the region under his control. No angel, to be sure, but effective. He was turning things around, getting people in line, and then you and your friends come along, acting like heroes out of the movies. Got to kill the bad guy, right? By now she was waving her hands and began to pace. What do you think happened after that? Oh, you lot got to go home after a job well done and spend all the money you were paid to kill the only people who were keeping chaos back. And once you were gone, it came back all right. The strong man who took over didn't care about order. He just wanted slaves. So did the others who wanted to fill the vacuum you left behind. It was brutal and terrible. And look at me! this is what happened. She fairly screamed into Tina's face, but Tina remained silent and impassive. Val seemed shaken by this. You all are the monsters, she seethed. Blood on all your hands, and the dead you left behind calls for yours in return. That's why you needed to die, going on with your lives as if nothing ever happened, telling yourself you did good, when all you did was make things worse, every single time. My home got wiped out after one of your raids in Nicaragua, and you bastards celebrated. Say something, bitch. Tell me you're innocent, that you haven't anything to pay for. She paused, out of breath. Rock and her guards glanced at each other, caught up in her ranting. But Tina's expression was passive, even relaxed. Are you some kind of idiot? she asked. What? what? Asked Val, aghast. Tina scoffed. I don't even know where to start with all that noise. We're monsters that pretend to be innocent. Of course we're not innocent. We don't just have blood on our hands; it's all the way up our arms and our legs, too, from wading through it for so many years. I don't think there's a single one of us who doesn't feel the guilt of things we did back then. Rock there? I bet that's why he joined up with you, for some chance to atone for what he did. Isn't that right? Yeah, I—he began, but Tina cut him off. It's not important. Damn it, Val, why do you think I retired and practically fell off the earth a dozen years ago? Because I was so happy? It's because what I became was so horrendous, and I needed to change. Same for Dallas— and we looked for ways we could move forward together. Not because we were innocent, but because we were so damn guilty. She stepped forward, not caring that the guards tightened their grips on their weapons. All this talk of paying it's all bullshit, Val. Dying for you isn't going to bring anyone back. It doesn't make anyone's life better. It makes things worse. That's something I learned over the last decade or so. Revenge is nothing more than masturbation, but it doesn't even make you feel that good. Whatever you convinced yourself of, that the dead want me to bleed, that's your ego talking. The dead don't want a damn thing from me. You're wrong. This is justice. This, said Tina forcefully, is for you. You're not doing it for anyone but you, to make yourself feel better. Stung, Val took a step back. Her eyes were wild, and her hands trembled. She rushed to one of her guards and grabbed his submachine gun, turning back to Tina, and with a vicious look on her face, opened fire. Tina flinched, expecting her life to end right there. But the impact she felt was from the side, not the front. She found herself flung out of the path of the bullets. When she looked up, she saw why. Her old comrade, Rock, stood there, hand over his stomach. Blood poured from fresh wounds, which he was not able to stop. But he didn't fall. True to his name, he wasn't an easy man to move. "'What are you doing?' asked Val. "'You wanted her dead, too, for what she's done.' Rock coughed, causing more blood to flow. "'Yeah, I did.' but the past week or so with her and the kid opened my eyes, and what she said made everything click. I haven't been looking for justice. The real thing I wanted was absolution for the things I did. Killing her or anyone else won't get me that, and it won't get it for you either. He staggered, taking a step toward the woman. Then he fell to his knees, and after a pause, finally pitched forward face down. There was silence in the room. This, Val said finally, this changes nothing. You're in the wrong, all of you. You're always in the wrong. Like when you let my people die and you made me look like this and you, when you turn me down for that bitch Dallas, how dare you? Tina stood, staring her down. Now we get to the real reasons. You hated me for not falling for your manipulation. And you hated her more for getting me when you couldn't. That's what this is all about, your wounded pride, festering for all these years. You're worthless, Val. All this time you've been rotten inside. All you can do is come up with excuses for what that rot makes you do. You're dead, she seethed. I'll kill you slowly, and I'll find that brat and kill her in front of you. Bit by bit, I'll break you down. A shattering sound came from above. Glass fell from a broken skylight, and there was motion along the edge that Tina could barely make out from her angle. But she knew what happened when first one, then the other guard raised hands to the darts that sprouted from their exposed skin only seconds before they fell. The brat! Val called, dodging to one side as a dart barely missed her. "'Never mind waiting. I'll kill you right now!' She began to fire, but Tina wasn't about to let her. She launched herself, hitting the small of the woman's back full force, driving her to the ground. Her bullets sprayed harmlessly into the wall before Tina wrenched the gun away. "'This isn't revenge!' she shouted into the other woman's face as she struck her with the butt of the gun. "'But I can't let you live.' She straddled Val, pinning the woman's arms under her legs. Another blow shook her, causing her to stop struggling, although still conscious. I told you, Val, revenge is worthless, she said. And that girl is how I learned that. She's something Dallas and I brought into the world to make it better and counteract some of the harm we'd both done. And inspired by her, we've done other things, helped other people, I'm going to keep doing it in her name. Her and Dallas. We'll get out of here and prove there's more than just a cycle of death. She spun the gun around so the barrel was pressed against Val's temple. That's why this isn't revenge. I don't want you dead. Dallas wouldn't want it either. But you're too dangerous. And I know you'll never give up. So, for the safety of my family, this is necessary. Goodbye, Val, she said fingering the trigger. Once again, she was struck, throwing her to one side. The force wasn't as great as before, but it was enough to knock her off her target. She scrambled back, raising the gun to fire at the new enemy. But then she lowered it, when she saw Rock breathing heavily, his full weight pinning Val in place. "'You can't do this,' he said, his breath coming in labored gasps. "'Your job is to save the girl.' Now go. I'll take care of this. It's the least I can do. Tina hesitated. Rock, let me. We can get you to a medic. You know that's not going to happen. I've got minutes at best. Now get! There's a vehicle outside. You should be able to get clear in the confusion. You're a good one, Rock, Tina said. If only at the very end. She took off running as small footsteps on the roof headed in the same direction. Hearing them go, Rock looked down at the woman under him. He gave her a weak grin as he pulled open his jacket, exposing specially designed explosives on his body. Boomer says hi. The blast wasn't big enough to destroy the villa, but it was enough to throw the troops into enough disarray to allow one vehicle, with a very determined driver and her passenger, to escape unscathed. Together they drove away to a place where they could finally grieve and heal and hopefully move on with their lives. Kelsey N. is a proud Canadian woman living in the nation's capital, Ottawa. She has been everything from an office worker to a home care aide to a dishwasher to an animation student before finally dedicating herself to writing. Several of her short stories are available for free on her website, The Book of Kells. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.